So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection Now with your hosts, Nikki Leach and Richard O'Shields, bringing your inner light to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody to this edition of Everyday Connection Now. I'm Richard O'Shields, and right over here we have Nikki Leach. How are you, Nikki? I'm good. I'm good. Awesome. It's, yeah, it's all good. It's good to be here. Occasionally have... My geese are back, so I'm very excited. The geese are honking, so that means Mm -hmm. that spring is really here this time. No fooling. Yes. Because that one beetle, he was kind of kidding. Ah, right? He was just early. Yeah, he was I wonder early. If he even, I wonder if he even survived. I don't know. It turned pretty cold again after the day you said that the beetle was out, so he may have gotten it nipped did. in the bud. Yeah. But, uh, fortunately, yeah, there's lots more beetles. Lying. Yeah, don't be fib to me about spring, particularly after this winter. Mm-hmm. Goodness gracious. You all have had the, the dose, but uh, that's good. Because you have the the geese live in the pond between you and your neighbor, right? Yes, indeed, they do. Well, there's there's one property um, between me and the neighbor who rescued the original geese um, that have begun to build a family of geese. So essentially, what happened is he rescued some some baby geese and um, raised them, and then they disappeared one day. And came back a couple weeks later, I think it was, or a week later, something like that, with uh, some friends, new geese. geese. And uh, they've been coming back ever since, and they they moved into the pond that's between our two properties. So they fly down and fly back, and mm-hmm. they're like, "These people are. This guy's nice. We can hang out here. We'll be we'll be cool." He, right, yeah, well... You know, we ever get in a bind, he can babysit for us, because he did once before. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it's good to have a babysitter in the neighborhood, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's kind of a cool story. Oh, it's a very cool story. I'm glad you told it again. It was very good, because we, we got it on the morning show. All you guys out there know about our morning show, right? Ah, the morning show! We answered. Oh, wait. Hello. Radio, it's not two-way. Um... <laughs> If you haven't if you haven't caught it yet, check us out uh, 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Flow Connection, a cooperative. Can I <laughs> Flow Cooperative, Everyday Connection on the Flow Cooperative, not Everyday Cooperation on the Flow Connection. I wow, <clears throat> it's very confused. You'd think, but that, essentially, what it is for those of you listening who don't know what it is, um, is 
we got sick of looking at the news and seeing all the what's wrong with the world, and we thought we'd get together in the morning and spend an hour sharing stories about what's right with the world. Uh, what's really cool about the new dynamic of, of doing the morning show is that we have correspondents who are contributing different audio bits. So every day we're playing a new bit from somewhere around the world. And uh, it's pretty pretty fun so far and it's easy enough to find oh yeah overwhelming tons of good news and because you know it's okay it's it's worthwhile to notice there's a problem for about 90 seconds and then you know you have to turn your vibration to the solution or you just make the problem bigger and absolutely uh, and we tried we tried those mornings with the bad news and the they're out to get you and yeah it wasn't not so good and So part of our getting better, we only did good news in the mornings, and then we're like, well, let's just share this with everybody, because good news is kind of like kindness. It's free, so you just sprinkle that stuff everywhere, or sprinkle that something everywhere. I saw a sign once on Facebook. (sighs) But it's good. I'm glad we got connected. That was a little little thing there for a minute, because I'm hot under the collar. Yeah, we had a wonky pre-show happening, stuff and stuff. But um, thankfully, the Internet gods are being kind, so we can talk to our guests tonight. Yay. That's right. We have uh, with us from deep in the heart of my old home state, Texas, Manny Hagman. Welcome, Manny. How are you? Hey, uh, I'm doing great. How are y'all? Awesome. <laughs> y'all. So Sounds like y'all. <laughs> I thought I'd throw that in there it's for just, you. It's just what, just what we say over. That's right. Yeah. All right, Manny, let's get to it then, my dear. I'll sure. ask you the big question of the night. Hope you studied. Hope you're sure. ready. It's sure. a tough one. <laughs> I'm ready. Who on earth? Oh, okay. Who on earth are you, and what do you do? Um, who am I, and what am I, what do I do? That's yeah. the one. Well, so my name is Manny Hagman. I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm uh, 33 years old. Um, and what I do is try to what I do is I share myself authentically and vulnerably uh, because I've found that those things to me are um, really the key to connecting in unity in the world. Um, for me personally, I've found that whenever I'm able to uh, share the things um, about myself or my fears or my my dreams, whatever it is, like in the most honest and, and real way without, um, without a lot of filter and without a lot of concern for like shaming myself, I find that that helps bring um, connection with other people who are oftentimes feeling the same thing but too scared to say it because uh, fear of some societal repercussion. And so for myself, I found that to be really the key to um, to spiritual awakening and growth in my life and really connecting with other people. And I do that by, by writing a lot on, on Facebook, by um, speaking in different like groups that I'm involved in. Um, that's sort of like me in a nutshell. I do some other stuff on the side, but that's sort of like my big um, thing right now in my life. Authentic conscious we communication. Like- we like that. We like authentic, conscious communication. Yes, we do. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people do. <laughs> uh, and I think it's um, something that's 
somewhat may, somewhat misunderstood or, or, or um, misconstrued. Like, I, so for me, I've, I, I see that word authentic out there a lot. Um, and I think it means a lot of different things to different people. Um, but for me, and this is just like my own perspective on it, it it's really kind of getting to the core and being able to say those things that I've been being able to say the things that, that I wouldn't want anybody to know about me, like the most embarrassing, the most like, I guess, shameful or what I would perceive to be shameful things. And then discovering through that, that almost everybody else kind of feels the same way about stuff. So it's like, I found that there's so many people out there just wanting to say the same thing, but um, somebody having the courage to say it helps open up other people. And I've experienced that um, both as like an observer, like for someone saying stuff that's opened me up and then being able to open myself up to other people and having them either write me on Facebook or speak to me personally about that. And it, it does make a huge difference. Um, I was, shocked and amazed when I wrote my story into a book and all the things that I was so ashamed to tell everybody and um, people who would hear the story would be like, oh yeah, well this is what happened to me and this is what I did and and so that that beating myself up really like it, it just, it, it ended because apparently I wasn't the only one out there who'd made mistakes in my life Imagine and so that. that was a real eye-opener, and it allowed me to essentially forgive myself. And it also allowed me, once I was able to forgive myself and stop judging myself, then I just stopped judging other people for the most part. I mean, I still have my wonky, I'm human moments where I point the finger and go, you over there, yuck. Um, off, but off my planet. For the, most, oh. <laughs> yeah. for the most part, I mean, because I'm able to look at my own life and, and to look at it and go, no, I I did things that I thought were the right thing in the moment. Um, and and everything that I've done has led me to my current now moment, which I happen to be really happy about. So it's it's all good. And so how can I forgive and allow myself to make mistakes without forgiving and allowing other people to make mistakes? So it really, it does. It changes the dynamics of, of our relationships. Yeah, you're, you're, you're exactly right. I, I think that, it allows people to to really connect with like their their core vulnerability. I, I like to think of um, uh, like I had this this spiritual like super intense spiritual like awakening um, through a group called the Mankind Project. I'm not sure if y'all are familiar with them or not, but it's a, a, like a men's uh, group uh, dedicated to. Uh, basically like living authentic lives, living in mission, really powerful stuff. And we have a weekend called the New Warrior Training where we go and it's like a, a men's initiation, really cool. And I was able to sit like in doing some like really intense like bioenergetic work that I'd never done before. And I saw like men in their most like vulnerable state, like just saying things that like uh, I think that a lot of at least like in sort of like a macho society. And this is just speaking from the perspective of this men's group, like men maybe, maybe don't say a lot and seeing that like, wow, like everybody's just sort of like out there vulnerable, but nobody will say it. And in seeing that it's like all these, I saw the fears that everyone had. And then behind that was like this kind of, everything came down to this core thing was almost everyone there was like scared that whatever that they, whatever they did, if they, 
were bad. They, they, there was this fear that they were bad on some core level and they wouldn't be loved. And then breaking that down behind that was like, well, actually that was the, that was the illusion and the truth was the love. And then that sort of broke free. I, I, stop and stop me if I'm kind of going off on some esoteric tangent here, but um, it was like so powerful to see like people opening up their vulnerability and then within that allowing the light to shine through. And I think a lot of times there's this block that people have and that I had for so long that I just didn't want to not be strong. I didn't want to not appear to be this, uh, this spiritual like warrior. And there's so many layers of like inauthenticity that I was hiding behind because I was scared of being judged. And finally, when I saw uh, other people had problems, like, and kind of the same core stuff, like this fear of unworthiness and all this stuff. I was like, man, we're all in this together. And then through that, I, I found unity and saw like through our vulnerability that we're all connected in this like really like real way that I was able to, to, to connect with and not just intellectualize. And I think that it's, you know, the mankind project, um, that's a subject that's near and dear to my heart because I think that men have really gotten kind of a, a short end of the stick. And this is going to sound odd from a woman um, who believes in equality, but we, do, we talk about this, the, the masculine nature of society and, and what that's done to women. But we don't ever, well, we do on this show, but for the most part, People don't ever address the really, the very real issue of the damage that it has done to the men. Because (laughs) you guys are wandering around the planet being told that you have to be tough, you have to be strong, it's not okay to cry, it's not okay to feel, it's not okay to, to embrace your emotions, it's not okay to be afraid, it's not okay to be insecure. And... Well, no wonder you're all so freaking aggressive. I would be too if all my shit was all bottled up. I yep. mean, really, we talk about we yep. talk about oh, the poor women and and how what a hard rap it's been for them. But I've never met a man. I've never been in a relationship with a man in my 38 years of life that where I did not at some point during that relationship discover usually by accident, that he had this really nice, gentle, soft core to him and that if I just allowed him to be who he was, that I would see somebody magical that the rest of the world didn't get to see. And because of that, a lot of those relationships are still to this day friendships. Yeah. Because... I was totally okay with them being not strong all the time because you are who you are. You feel what you feel. And if you're hurt, you're hurt. And why does society say that it's okay for a woman to cry, but not for a man? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Well, that's a big one. Um, and like what you, yeah, what you said about, uh, like what's, what's happened to men, like a lot of like men have damaged other other men like pretty pretty deep like uh, there's a lot of like there's a concept of um of like 
I, uh, one of the big things about Mankind Project is like the um, basically the allowing like emotions to process. And um, for me, I came from like a background where I started to like study like Buddhism and all this stuff when I was around 25. And my sort of my 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 mind and everything and the way I grew up through this like kind of like shame based like I was always wrong sort of perspective took a lot of those like beautiful concepts and turned them against myself. So instead of like really see, I mean, I saw the beauty in them, but it was more of a, Oh, I'm bad. Like I need to, um, I, I'm trying to think of a way to explain it. Like, um, I need to disconnect from what's going on with myself and just transcend to this place, even though there's a lot of trauma and a lot of hurt from, you know, growing up like in an abusive environment. I never allowed those emotions to really process. If I had anger, I was, um, it was bad. If I was sad, it was because I wasn't spiritual enough. If it, if I wasn't always feeling great and, and that I tortured myself and, and abused myself with that. And through mankind project and, um, and finding, um, good people to support me, to support like the authenticity of my humanness and my emotions. Um, I was able to be like, you know, it's okay, okay to be angry and all these things. And, and really the damage that gets done if you look at like, you know, the damage that unhealthy, unawakened men have done to the planet, it's really because there's this, a lot of stuff gets like you, I think you said like boiled underneath and becomes rage and toxic shame and all this stuff. And it comes out in these really aggressive, unhealthy ways. So I think really the key to healing like the, the masculine and like unifying the masculine and the feminine in this really sort of like beautiful way is to, um, be present to what's there and process emotions in a healthy way and allow people to to feel what they feel and um, learn what that means and, and have have support. Yeah, because it absolutely. Is. And I want to I want to mm. highlight that. But just before I let you guys run with this, because you're both men, so I'm sure you have a lot to say. No, you're. Doing I just want to highlight that for a minute. Um, being being a mother of a daughter and being a woman and having run into my fair share of feminists along this particular journey that I've taken, I want to remind women that it is up to us as women to be, to hold space for our men, to allow them a safe place where they can be authentically themselves. And that starts with how we raise our children. One of the things I've heard of, you know, so many times is that you have to teach your young boys that it's not okay to hit women. But for some reason, we don't ever consider that a lot of young girls think that it's perfectly okay to hit a guy because he won't hit her back. So as women, we have a responsibility to teach our daughters that it's never okay to take advantage of the fact that these men are are trying to protect us. So, you know, there's two sides to every coin. And so this is a really important issue that you're bringing up and one that's near and dear to my heart because I love I love my bad boys. I love my tough guys. My husband is a bad boy and a tough guy, but he's a very good man. And I might not have gotten the chance to see that if I just didn't, you know, allow him to be who he is when yeah. he needs to be it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, I, love, I love how you said that. I love how she does that because I get to hear about it 
all the time, and <laughs> she really does. But it, it's, it's by the same token that I see that uh, as men, it's part of our thing to provide a safe space for our ladies to be who they are, yeah. uh, which is not demure and quiet and in the corner. It sometimes is loud and anxious, and sometimes it's... Is, is shallow and giggly and sometimes is deep and philosophical and um, they're just as, you know, variable sometimes as Sometimes the there's a wind. sword. Yeah, well, <laughs> they're just sometimes, as variable yeah. as the winds. You know, they can be a nice gentle breeze that plays with your hair. They can be a hurricane that, you know, blows your house down. Yeah. Uh, and it, uh, I think at, at, uh, when you get to the core of the issue, men are, men are afraid of that variability and that passion and that power because they can we all know to the center core of our soul that passion holds power I, yeah. we just that's one thing i think we've not any of us forgotten is that passion holds power and so we have been taught that we have to restrain it in ourselves so we're going to restrain it in everybody else you know because we can't we don't want to get you know ourselves restrained it's Fear builds on fear builds on fear and has built this gigantic great wall of gender. Forget China. Great wall of gender. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, it, it uh, uh, because it is, we're, it, and, and, and a part of it is this melding not only of the masculine feminine inside each of us, but learning how to relate to each other which means be in relationship, right? How to relate to each other. Yeah. Um, because you're born, and the first, the first place of, on this planet that you sort of feel total comfort, safety, and I've been comforted is in the arms of a woman. And then you get to school or the playground or wherever else, and you get told that women are a lower form of life practically. It's like now you're one place that you know is going to be safe is gone. And uh, uh, and you're a scared, hurt little boy from that day forward and to some degree, I think. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with that. I think uh, that's a great concept, the great wall of gender, because uh, there, there is a wall that's been created. You know, I was as you were saying that, I was just thinking about that, I guess that book that came out, like men are from... Mars or women are from Venus, whatever it's called. And I, like, I, I totally don't like really resonate with that sort of stuff because it's basically implying that there's some like fundamental difference. Uh, and I think those, that, that sort of like pop psychology is, it's based on how to interpret what someone's saying when they can't be direct, because I don't think that there's really a lot of difference between how men and women communicate, I think there's a lot of difference. And the, or I think that's what Steph is saying, okay, well, I'm not going to tell you the truth or how I'm feeling. This is maybe how I'm going to go about indirectly trying to say it. But when it gets down to it, you know, everyone human has some way to speak language and every language has a way to convey like deep pain, deep joy and things like that. And if my, my belief is that if, people can bridge that and kind of get past those, those games and get to a point where it's just like, okay, this is what's going on. This is what's going on. And, and people learn to hold space for each other, like in that real raw authenticness, it'll 
bridge the gap a lot faster than somebody trying to figure out what somebody's trying to say when they're actually trying to say something else. And I, I agree with you completely. I think a lot of the problem is, is centered around the expectation because we have a preconceived notion and an expectation of what a gender role is. And so we've created this, this ideal of what we should get when we ask a question. What should the answer be? Yeah. When we ask a question, either because it's a man or because it's a woman, it depends. Am I asking a woman or a man? What's the answer going to be? Well, depends. And, and that's, not, that's not true. It, it, each individual has their own individual backstory, their own individual experience that comes together to create the person that we're dealing with in the moment. And yeah. what it boils down to at the end of the day is getting to the backstory. Who are you really? Forget yeah. that you're a man or a woman, but who are you? Where have you been? What have you been through? What's, what are you passionate about? You know, what's in there that I'm not able to see simply by looking at you? And, yeah. and so it comes down to conversation, honest, sometimes brutally honest conversation. Yeah. I, I, I like that, the, the brutally honest part, because... Um, I think that that's really the the key, uh, and I think the key for the key in being. And I always just try to relate this from my experience because I know everybody has a has their own life and, and their own uh, journey that's gotten to them this point. But for me, like being brutally honest, um, I, I mean, it all started like started with myself and being like, okay, Manny, well, what's what's really going on here? Um, gosh, and I and I, I could see where at least in my own life where I, I hid so many things for myself, um, like with, uh, uh, drug addiction, with, um, uh, abuse from, uh, you know, from childhood and then even stuff. And this kind of goes back to the, the gender thing, like stuff that I didn't feel like as a man, like I could really even, uh, speak about, like one, one of the things that I, I struggle with and still struggle with is, um, is body image. Um, but I've, I've been so ashamed to even say that like, oh yeah, when I, I, I look in the mirror, maybe I don't feel as good about my body where I'm self-conscious in these things. Um, but what I've learned is that a lot of other men feel that way too. And I think every human probably does because there's this societal expectation and all these images and that, that damage everyone. And it's just like, what, what, what do we make it safe for people to, to be able to say that they're afraid of, uh, and we we totally we covered that this morning actually yeah. I'm glad you brought it up Manny because we covered that this morning in a book review that I was doing for um, a book from Kimberly Riggins called Love Your Naked Ass and in the description of the book it's it's pitched as a book that all women should read personally I think it's a book that everybody should read because why is it we have this idea that just women have body image issues. Because that's a lie. That's an untruth. I, yeah, I promptly seconded that because it. I find, you know, once you've been in the locker rooms and had guys that are friends and, you know, you're a guy, so you're not going to let the secret out. You know, I'm a traitor to the guy club, apparently, because I talk about scaredy stuff. But guys get as picky or worse 
than what about, you know, I got to have the right cologne. I got to have the, I have seen the biggest, most studly looking, probably you would think he could just beat everybody down. So he must never worry about nothing. Be out of his own brand of, you know, his normal brand of cologne and just totally lose it. Not be able to speak to people, not be able to leave a hotel room. Yeah. And, and that's not even, that's just how you smell. Forget makeup or something, appearance, you know, I mean, my goodness. And because like you said, the, the advertising campaigns aren't aren't just aimed at men and they aren't just aimed at women. They're, you know, they learned from the horror pictures long ago, you know, Alfred Hitchcock. We're all scared of the same stuff. So let's see if we can't use a little of the whole, instead of the carrot and the stick, we'll throw a little whip in there just in case, you know, to get them to the store. Because yeah. you're not skinny enough, you're not tan enough, you're not tall enough, your hair's too gray. How about that one for men? Have you seen those ads on TV? Uh, where the like football announcers, sportscasters are doing this thing of you know here he comes and oh here comes Miss Beautiful and ooh he strikes out because he's got a gray beard and he needs to be using this stuff to make him look more youthful. Yeah, it's, I mean they're not even they're not even sly about it. They're just like ooh he struck out, Mister Graybeard. You got to cut that out and stuff. They're just right up in your face with it. Yeah, and. Um, yeah. So it is. It's Horror writers have known that for a long time. We're all scared of the same stuff. They write the stuff they're scared of, and they find out everybody else is scared of it. <laughs> what do you know? Which is really funny, because you ask most women, and older gentlemen with gray hair can be very super attractive to certain women, simply because it indicates age, experience, and wisdom. We kind of equate the whole gray hair, gray beard thing with with somebody who's who's got a little wisdom in them. He's not a kid. I'm not going to have to deal with stupidity. <laughs> so a lot of women well, will uh, gravitate towards that gray hair. John Connery had a had a bit of a gray uh, beard before he ever was the sexiest man alive. When he was young, nobody said that about him. I mean, he was a movie star and all, but. He looked like a half a dozen other just, It's just, it's such a, it's such a twist on perception that, that the marketing and advertising people do. I mean, really, because the average person doesn't think that way. Well, yeah. Until the advertising people get in your head, and then you're screwed. But. Yeah, exactly, and and so, and this is something else. Like when talking about like the the body, and I'll go a little bit like deeper into like a an, an issue. I think that that plagues plagues men and uh, and again i'm just speaking as a, from a man's perspective because that's the only lifetime i remember being right now is having grown up as a man um so where do men or where do boys generally learn about their bodies well it's usually not like in, if they have like a really like good family unit then and a father who's like really comfortable uh, discussing that, then they can learn like a healthy um, identity to their body, sex, those type of things. And that's really important. But I think that because um, at least, in, and this is just a theory that I have that like uh, North America is, is basically uh, founded like on a lot of like Puritan roots. Like that's the people who came and really, you know, founded the like the country and a lot, there's a lot of sexual suppression. So I think that's kind of gotten really deeply ingrained. Well, when that happens, stuff doesn't go away. Our bodies are still the same. So it goes underneath the surface. So I think a lot of boys, especially like when I was growing up, 
the first time I ever really learned about my, my body, my, my, my sex organs, my penis, like those things wasn't from like uh, a healthy male role model. It was on the playground with other boys, like in this really, who are pretty much just as clueless as we are. Yeah, we're all just almost guessing as your, as your manual. And I'm listening to you talk and I'm thinking, and, and when you're a teenage boy and you're learning about sex and sexuality, and your sexuality has been repressed. Your natural urges have been repressed because nobody's told you that that's okay. Then you're going to do this looking at porn under the cover thing, and that's where you're going to learn. Yep. And the average porn out there is not a fair representation of a healthy sexual relationship between anybody. It can be fun, but there's so much more to it. You know what I mean? So they get this surface ideal of the physicality of it without the emotional ties that generally go along with having a deeper sexual relationship. And we wonder why our teenage boys are all horny and shallow. Well, because we didn't allow them to learn any differently until they grow up they become men they have a really good solid the first time men have a really good solid deep relationship it's like this mind-blowing eye-opening experience and all of a sudden the game changes yeah and they think holy shit there's so much more to it yeah i i I think yeah and and the thing you mentioned about porn was absolutely true like uh my first uh really experienced with anything like that was through like a older cousin I had when I was probably eight or nine, like showing me this like porn video. And it was, I mean, you know, like going from never having like really seen anything and then being exposed to that. And it just all of a sudden was just like uh, distorted my view of everything. And then growing up, that was like the, uh, you know, I'm 33. So when I was a teenager, the internet was just first really starting to take off, like where you could get pictures and then videos and stuff like that. And that became a big thing. And that was so damaging. And I think um, that's what happens when stuff gets suppressed. It never goes away. It just goes into these like more uh, these different elements. And I, and I think that a lot of um, problems that men have uh, and, and I don't, I don't want to speak for every man, but uh, a lot of stuff that happens like in terms of like, um, uh, uh, like damaging sexual behavior, be it like sexual harassment or sexual assault and stuff like that. I think sexual it, violence, all of that. Sexual violence is caused because there's this really like uh, toxic relationship that men have with with understanding their bodies, understanding sex. And I think if it was in the open and taught in a healthy way, as a normal like part of life, like it should be, because it is. Uh, then uh, people would have the opportunity to grow up with a, a, a different perspective of it and not learn about sex from porn. Men, especially. I mean, it's like, gosh, it's like one of the more... more well, and it, 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 it all stems back to me to the, the communication dynamic. There's, you're just told from the outset that there are certain things that you will not and cannot communicate and cannot communicate about as, you know, a man, a big boy, you know, you're not going to cry. You're not going to this. And we, we don't, we don't discuss that, you know? And so it does, it becomes something that 
is stuck in the corners under the covers with a flashlight in the middle of the night. Uh, this kid that's not smart enough to be able to figure out much, you know, can't even drive, and um, is trying to figure out how this stuff works. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, it is, you know, because I'm 51, and it was much the exact same, you know, when I was growing up. It hasn't really changed that much because it wasn't something parents were, there wasn't some proper topic to talk about. My parents gave me a book. A little, I don't know, 20-page little book. And bless their hearts, they were doing the best they could. Yeah. Somebody had told them that this book explained sex in a healthy uh, manner. you know. And But I read the book, and I, for some, I was convinced that it was something that happened while you were asleep. Because yeah. it happened while you were in bed. And, you know, a man and a woman get in a bed, and this thing goes there, and that happens, and then there's a baby. That was pretty much what the book said. And... That's not true. Okay? <laughs> not true. Yeah. And you say, well, that's not exactly what the book said. Can't you tell from... No, I can't. You're an adult. Maybe you can tell. I can't tell. I don't know what the hell I'm looking at, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there you go. There's your education from father and mother. And there is not, uh, or sort of in this, don't communicate certain things and in certain ways uh, that I, the natural sort of circles that would form, just like groups of girls form, and they talk about almost anything, everything, because they're growing up together, aren't allowed to form anymore for boys. There's no you know little young warriors group that got together, and when there is, it it can be this sick, twisted, I'm better than you thing from like age five. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, you're exactly right. Like the group, like that's so in Mankind Project. That's one of the things that like we, it's like based in a lot of uh, um, like traditional stuff uh, or traditional practices of indigenous people. Um, and so in North America, the indigenous people uh, were uh, the you know the tribes of people who lived the different tribes of, of, of Native Americans that lived here and their practices and what they did like if you look at the ways those communities were structured uh, like their children were raised by the community and so a boy learned how to be um, um, a man from not just like one father who may or may not be present or may not care or may be abusive, whatever, but there was a community raising of both men and women. So people, so there was like this, uh, the huge support group. And, um, when, a, when a boy became of age, he was taken and had initiation and, and learned and he knew that he was a man and he had responsibilities and things like that. And then well, women in the same, in the same thing in the community, the community raised people. Now it's this very isolated, like idea that we all live in, we live in a community in houses, but it's like, you know, and you may say, Hey, to your neighbors or even have dinner, but there's not like a community of people like supporting each other. And so what happens in, in that is that someone has the misfortune of having a, a, a family unit that isn't supportive. Well, then they're kind of left out to dry. Whereas like in the indigenous times, people had, you know, if, if the father died, then the community raised the boy or the, or the daughter or whoever. And I think that's really missing from society now. And that's how people get lost underneath everything. Um, so I believe that 
really one of the keys to healing a lot of this stuff is just being more open in a community. I don't know if that can really ever happen. I think we have like a really strong structure of the, of the nuclear family here, but I think that would go a long way to heal things. Well, and I think, I think I, it is happening. Actually, yeah, I think it um, is happening. Is it? That's awesome. Yeah. Some community may be forming around different topics, but once community forms, community is community. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. whether it's eat local Absolutely. or or I'm going to join a solar co-op or I'm going to do people are going gravitating around and finding their you know spots. And but it is deeply ingrained. I mean, one of the uh, places here in town that's a um, it's a church, but it's a new it's supposed to be a new thought thing. And and there's a women's group and a men's group and, a you know, women's repressed sexuality and men, how to be a gentleman. And at least they're addressing the topics, but it's still in a very segregated sort of way. Like, um, I like that you pointed out that when the community raised the child, there was this input from men and from women. And, and when a woman told the child something, they didn't, they were not able to run to their father or another man and have them go, Oh, well, that's just a woman. Don't listen to that. They said, yeah, you better listen to her. She's very smart. And, yeah. and so you, you were able to form a more balanced view of self and of everything around you. And um, uh, it's, it's almost like you know, our show. We only do good news. And you know, you know, things happen. But there's enough good news that we can focus on that, and that's how we want to adjust our vibration in the morning. But whether it's the good news or the bad news, I can't imagine someone not being aware of but one side and it's kind of what how we've landed somehow in society i don't know who did that when when who thought that was a good idea i don't know yeah it, uh, yeah it's like uh, you know the quebecois we talked about this morning wasn't it that party was started by a former tv guy i think that was maybe I, looking I have, for I, I honestly, readers and I don't viewers. know the history behind but, it i only know that but silly things that like that happen it's given this this horrible horrible perspective to the rest of the country about what the Quebecois people here really want. And and the truth of it is they don't want to separate. Yet because this one political party speaks so loudly and so often in the media about the importance of separation and maintaining our, our independence and maintaining our culture, then the rest of the country thinks and assumes that everybody in the province thinks that way. And it's just a very small percentage of people who think that way. So it's, it is exactly like that. Yeah, it's, it's this <laughs> distorted view. Because nobody's talking about it. It's a distorted view. It's a one-sided view. It's, it's, it's humans from are, the outside looking in. You look at your kids. Humans are naturally curious. And they will go after something until they find out and figure it out. However, if you are supplied with information right, wrong, or indifferent. If you're supplied with information, you think you know that. So your curiosity is satisfied. So you don't go looking for information about the opposite sex or how to live your life because you think you've been told. You know, And it's um, not wise even if you have the wisest of people telling you because the wise people, when they tell you, say, don't, don't just listen to me. Go talk to them. Go over there. Try this. You know? They well, show I you. Did. I, didn't, <clears throat> I didn't learn what, what men want 
in relationships by reading books or magazines. I learned by talking to the men I'm having relationships with. I learned because I spent time with guys as friends. And I would ask them because there's no better place to get inside information into how how a man thinks and sees the world than to ask a freaking man. And it yeah. varies from man to man. That's what I discovered. If you want to know how a man thinks about the world, you have to ask him. Yeah. <laughs> because he's an individual, the just like might see it different. Just right. like the girls, like, they don't all see all. All of you females in Canada see the world precisely the same, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's, even it's all the females in Sutton, I'm sure. It, you know. It's just it's it's an insane way of looking at it and and but to get your to get your i never understood to get your relationship guidance out of a magazine really really and like you said a book called women are men are from mars women are from venus and this was supposed to be the guide on how to how to create a beautiful lasting relationship yeah how to understand the opposite sex so you're going to title it with a title that indicates that the two sexes are so separate and segregated as to be from two entirely different planets (laughs) yeah exactly yeah that's insane yeah it's like you gotta have the code book relationship guidance (laughs) yeah you gotta have the code book so you know which code word to use for her to understand that you really mean what you just say it yeah, exactly. Open your yap. <laughs> and how many how many best-selling relationship authors are out there and column writers who've had like three or four different freaking marriages? It's a running joke in our recent history that that's been a truth. And it, it, Big name women who are supposed to be the experts in relationships who've been married four or five times. Well, yeah, if I'd been married four or five times, I'd be a fucking expert too. And all the ways to screw it up because I've tried them all. uh, Exactly, right? Manny's experiencing what we call the soapbox syndrome. You've touched on something that's very important to us, and uh, we don't mean to run away with it. um, It's passionate. I mean, I think relationships are a very passionate subject, and that's something like, um, man, like in in terms of spirituality, that's uh, an enlightenment. That's something like I've really come to... Uh, like understand recently too. Like um, before, I don't know. Like I, I don't know if if anyone else go, went through this phase, but there was this time where I was like, I have to transcend everything and I need to be independent. Ah. Like all the like, yeah, I, there. I, you know. Oh like, gosh, yeah. Geez, and yeah. It, it happens so much, and I see it a lot. Like it's like this heady sort of like non-grounded way of thinking. And I'm like, man, like the whole unity thing and coming together in one consciousness. I'm like okay, well, we have other people right next to us. We have to come together with them. And I think the first part of that, uh, I, I really do believe this, is like uh, relationships are where we uh, where we do that. And that's like the beauty of them and learning how to, how to support and be interdependent in that like unique function, whether it's, uh, you know, a man and a woman, a woman and a woman, a, a man and a man, like whatever sort of like intimate relationships that we uh, create uh, are that's like a holy holy I'll use the word holy like that's a holy thing like in terms of our consciousness and um, absolutely that's why it's, absolutely. everybody's so and passionate I'm just gonna, about it I'm, 
I'm going to touch on that for a second, Manny, yeah, yeah. Um, really quickly before we go to break, because one of the things that we've discovered, and yes, Rick and I both went down that path, um, certainly <laughs> in our own way, but we definitely went we went there. But here's my answer then to people who, who come to me in that heady space with this this ideal of what enlightenment is and ascension is. And so I always remind people, here's the thing. You started out as a spiritual being, okay? So you got that on lockdown. You know how to do that. You're a freaking expert. But you opted to come and do this physical thing. And it's messy down here in the physical. But this is your choice. You wanted to do physical. So if you're going to do physical by choice, then you should do it to the best of your ability. Get messy. Get dirty. Be physical. Yeah. Because that's what you chose to do. It was a choice. You're yeah. already spiritual. You can't be anything other than spiritual. And everything that is physical in our current reality is an extension of the spiritual. It's a physical manifestation of that spiritual energy. So yeah. you can't ever not be spiritual. So you might as well enjoy being physical. It's been yeah. made out that we're like, Earth is the kindergarten of the universe. And so you get left with, or I had this, you know, sort of internal clock of like, you know, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be good enough. And then, you know, poof, it, graduation or something. I don't know what. It's, uh, right. If I learn enough, if I if do I enough, learn enough, if I study about enough, how to be spiritual, I, how to be I, non-physical. If I'm good enough. Yeah. yeah. Then it, yeah. When I, if I'm a good enough little boy, then I'll be allowed to be non-physical and see things from the bigger point of view when i already knew how to do that it was coming down here that was learning about being physical it doesn't it, it okay you can blow up a planet but can you tie your shoes yeah not yeah. so much <clears throat> yeah now that's you know i've never really thought about it like like how i'll just describe it but that's beautiful and it's perfect and it makes a hundred percent sense uh like we already have the spiritual thing down, so let's experience. We came here to experience this, so why not experience like all the, all the beauty, all the messiness of of everything exactly. going on. And you know what it helps with? You know what it really helps with? And this is really cool. It helps with that judgment thing because once you get there, if you can fully embrace. And again, like I said, I'm still working on it because I am physical. Um, but if you can really fully embrace the the truth that all of it, all of it is God, then you will stop pointing your fingers at them and they and all those people out there that are doing that that you don't agree with because that is also a physical expression of God because God, the creator, that that core spiritual energy that that manifested into physical really just wants to experience as much physical as it can so therefore it has to create it all it the good the bad the ugly the beautiful it has to all be in there and that's where the balance comes in that's where the appreciation of the complexity and the diversity of our world comes in and that's where you really start to understand that there is no room for judgment because it's all good, it's all God. 
Yeah. How can it be anything other See, than? It, it must all need to be there or it wouldn't be there. You know, why is this happening to me? Well, it's not happening to you. It's happening for you. And it's doing so because it was your first choice. It's, you know, apparently it's, there is a little bit of focus ability involved in being able to be physical. And so why would you why would you do that to learn how to be spiritual, which is what you were before you came and when you leave? So, you know, I want to make it to be. I want to make it to be non-physical. Yeah, well, all you got to do is croak, and I'm guaranteeing every one of you is going to do it. <laughs> so, hey, get over that. That's coming. <laughs> so, you got yeah. that covered. Let's go to the beach, and yeah. um, uh, and you know, communicate and. It's just the 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 spot where people get hung up is the fact that it's so simple. Yeah, it's, it's almost too like simple. too simple. Seems too simple. It's too simple. It can't be that. Because, no, that's that's too easy. Yeah. You mean I'm just here to live? But I'll tell you what. I asked my daughter um, at a young age. I, she's in all of my books because she's just infinitely wise because she's still tapped in. And, and she's 17 one. now, so she's got, she's got her separate moments where she's not as tapped in as she used to be. But when she was <laughs> younger, oh, my goodness, you ask her some shit. So I asked her once, what's the meaning of life? And she looked at me like I was the craziest person in the world. She's like, to live, Mom. What else would it be? Yeah. Oh, Just looked at her like she had ten heads. What do you mean? What is it? What? What? The meaning of life. To live. It's just to live, Mom. Oh. Okay, yeah. And then, you know, I mean, that that was a game changer. And here I am doing radio shows. What's the meaning of grass? To roll in it, you know. Or if if you're my puppy Molly, to pee on it, you know, whatever. Yeah. Or <laughs> smoke it for some people. Hey, I mean, well, it's a different one. I'm not, <laughs> not growing that in the lawn out here, but you know, <laughs> um, this is a this is a nice upstanding apartment community. Uh, excuse me, condominium residences. I have to get that square. Um, because like that makes a difference, and um, it, it is it. And that's why this giggling and laughing is perfect, right, headed out to break, because that's that's one of your biggest tools along the road is to just whenever you start really taking it seriously and, you know, I'm not getting this right and I'm I'm using my these new words about enlightenment as new tools to beat myself up with is lighten up and laugh about something, man. Find some George Carlin, do something. And yeah. uh, so we're going to uh, go into that hypnotizing space that Nikki enjoys so much with... Um, uh, our dear friend Ina V in Earth Prayer. It seems only appropriate, this thing about forgiveness and living, and we didn't know. Yeah? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Why absolutely. Not? So, uh, our dear friend Ina V with her song Earth Prayer, based on Ho'oponopono, and uh, we'll be right back, so stick with us, folks. Oh, and when you call our name 
Welcome back, everybody. Again, that was our dear friend Ina V, who you will find at www.enavie.com. It's enavie.com. And uh, check her out. Awesome music and uh, doing some very cool philanthropic stuff with the proceeds from that particular song. 
because it's a song about healing in the earth. So she figured the money from that should go to the earth for healing. So how cool is that? <laughs> well, you know, we really ought to take care of our mother since she takes such good care of us and all right. that. Yeah. Cleans up after us, really. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> Carries us around, all that food stuff. That was the fun part about mm-hmm. Costa Rica, right? You just go out there and grab it. You just, I want to eat that. Give it to, <laughs> Give it to me. <clears throat> oh, except, look, it's a papaya. <laughs> except I had, I had real trouble. The monkeys would... I'd, I'd see one and I'd go, here within the next couple of days, you're going to be just perfectly right, but I'm going to pick you. And the monkeys would come along sometime during the night and go, yeah, who's waiting? Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned you can pick them a couple of days early. It's okay. Uh, or just have a palm oil palm in your backyard that the monkeys, they thought that was really cool. Yummy. Anyway, I digress. We're back here with Manny Hagman, and we're talking about men and women and being genuine and authentic because... This is the time of transparency. It's the time of no more secrets, no more lies. So uh, we got to be honest with ourselves first if we're, that's going to happen anywhere. I am kind of curious um, sometimes. Nikki will tell you. Um, you mentioned something about in the Mankind Project about um, ritual or... or uh, you know, that there's groups and things, but that there's also, like, uh, ceremonies or rituals to, or did yeah. I mishear that? No, you, you, you heard it. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I, I'd kind of like to, to hear your thoughts on that, because I have some very definite thoughts on the, the fact that uh, one of the first things extinguished by many a missionary were those savage rites of passage. Um. And, um you know, replaced so, by christening when you're an infant and can't remember it. Yeah. Well, so yeah, there's, um, that's a great question. And there's, it's very much steeped in the traditions of the indigenous people of, of North America. Um, and the, the rituals are, I mean, they're fucking badass. I mean, they're awesome. Like, uh, they're, I, there's something about like like when we like a mankind project something that we do in whatever group that we're in and uh we have something called i group where men meet and we come and we we work on um a lot of it's based off of concepts of um of Carl Jung, uh like in the, in the archetypes like the warrior the magician lover and king um but in order to kind of get into doing that work we create sacred space and the way that we create sacred space and we create the container of safety that let men know that it's safe to do their work uh, is we do, we, we, we do ritual, we smudge, and we honor the directions, the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the east, the, the, um, the south, the, the west, and the north. We honor those, uh, what they mean in, in, the, in the sky and the below and um, and we do all of that to get ourselves prepared for the work that we do. Um, that's just in an eye group. Now, when we go to do our, our, our new warrior training, uh, you know, we go and we do like a men's initiation for like a weekend where men are put through, um, 
you know, like the only thing that's like, you know, uh, that they tell you that you'll get the opportunity to do is have opportunity to look at your shadow, which is like your fear or whatever. But it, the whole weekend is sort of centered around, um, concepts of like challenging ourselves, um, and, and these spaces, and it's all done like very ritualistically, which makes it really cool. Because uh, it takes away from being this like, oh, we're going to do this process and this and that, and to just like this cool ass experience where uh, the thing that's really cool about it actually is like there's no like outcome. It's just like whatever you, what, whatever a man gets out of it, it's what he gets, and it's not for anyone to say you're going to get this. It's like whatever a man gets out of it is what he gets, and it's different for everyone. Yeah, I'm I, I'm curious. Do you, you have like a a ritual rattle or some prayer beads with you right now? Because we're hearing something. I don't mean to interrupt, but oh, um, strange rubbing against something or crackling. Uh, it could be my microphone against my beard. Ah, maybe it <laughs> ah, could be. That's, that's it. That's probably it. Maybe you can you know bend it out just a little or reposition yeah. it just a tad. Is that is that any better? Much. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Thank you. It, okay. it wasn't that way when we started. It just kind of snuck in there. Um, yeah, it, it happens sometimes. I trimmed mine the other day, so I actually yeah. felt it run into my microphone one day, and I was like, holy crap, time to do something about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Microphone and the beard. I, I would have not it seen never. that as being an, an really, issue. Really, I, I was... Yeah, we were, de- we, we were debating whether you had an Indian rattle or, or prayer beads. So, see there? How did you know? Your, your beard was sacred. See, because yeah. it's all spiritual, because yeah. that's mm-hmm. just all there is, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, you guys aren't the first one to give me anyway. that. Anyway. So, <laughs> it's happened before. Um, so let, let me know if it happens again, and I'll adjust the microphone. Well, it's it's still happening it kind of came back bit. a little. So, yeah, so we want to get it stopped, because this is a really cool topic, and I want to yeah, hear about want. it. Yeah. Um, How about now? It's still a little, a little bit. I put the microphone sort of off the point of my chin, helps avoid whistling into it too, the breathing and stuff. It gets it away from me. They're really better microphones than you might think. I don't. Uh, that was something I got out of the movies, watching the pilots in the movies reach out and touch the mic with their lips. It's not really necessary anymore. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Um, okay, I've got it off of my my beard now, like totally. Okay, cool. Awesome. That's, that's sounds, perfect. That so I'm really beautiful. curious. How did you get involved with the Mankind Project? Um, because well, if it is based on individual, or sorry, if it is based on indigenous um, indigenous teachings, is it because of your heritage, or is this available for all men? It's available for all men, uh, and I got involved in it uh, based on the recommendation of uh, my therapist, whose husband was involved in it. And um, a lot of therapists recommend it to people and just said, this is something that you may be interested in. And uh, I signed up and did the weekend and it was badass. That's awesome that therapists are recommending this. Yeah. Because, I mean, we've been shouting the praises of the indigenous people since we started doing this show. Um, Because they knew what they were talking about. We just weren't listening. It's okay. We're listening now. So it's really nice uh, to know stubborn, that... Stubborn, nothing else, human beings. Oh, yeah. Me, anyway. Really stubborn. We are. Um, but it's nice to know that that there's counselors out there and therapists that are recommending this as, as 
part of a person's healing journey because to be quite honest, you, you kind of need it, I think. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the beauty of the indigenous culture is that spirituality and life were not separate. It just was. It exactly. was it was totally integrated and but we've lost that. I mean this whole concept of I'm gonna to go to church on Sunday and that's the day that I'm gonna to dedicate to my God is just so ridiculous to me when everything I touch is a manifestation of spirit. Yeah. I mean if we're spiritual beings having a human experience, come now people. You know, turn that fierce right? logic loose on it. It it So but the indigenous knew that to be a truth. It was a basic truth that they all knew and that they grew up they grew up knowing. And they never so tried ingrained. to ex- explain it to the missionaries or anybody because it was not something that they really understood. They just knew. No, like just you know knew. you have to breathe. <laughs> you just they, what do you mean spiritual life? What are you talking about? Um the great life. spirit and me and we and, and and they go no no no. There's all these people, old guys with white beards. You got to talk to them first and and it was uh, such a disconnection. And But you saw these indigenous societies that didn't, you know, when they killed a buffalo, they didn't waste anything. You kept the bones, the teeth, the, you either made jewelry, you made tools, you, did, you used it all, right? You didn't take and wasteful you said thank actions. thank you to the buffalo for the life they gave you. Well, but I have to put that in there. You're yes, supposed to say thank you. Absolutely. And that's but, one of the things that's in there. But even if it's just, you know, good logic as opposed to religious zealotry, it a people that does that with everything in their life, they don't waste a step or a breath. Then do you really think that these rituals and traditions are extra stuff when they have no extra stuff in any other part of their life? But but they got this one part that doesn't mean anything. What? It it means everything. I mean, yeah. It, it, it's just, uh, I mean, I find ritual to be important for for transitioning from a place of uh, like distraction, like on the out, you know, what's going on in the world, to a place where I'm focused and and I can support myself and and ultimately support other men because we're all there to support each other, and that's why we create the container. Um, and the ritual gives us the opportunity to, to to get into that space and to get grounded. And I think it's it's just like important, like like how meditation gets people grounded. And I mean, meditation is a ritual. It's taking time out of a day to to practice something and to to sep- kind of separate from the uh, just like going to work or whatever it is and, and take that time. So ritual provides that um, that. Uh, I guess like the, just like the the external means to get our internal um, clocks aligned with what we want to do in the work, and it's like it's saying that what we're what we're going to do is important here. It's not like some oh yeah we're going to sit down here. It's like no we're going to take this seriously because there's like deep emotions running and all this stuff, and I think it should be taken serious. Oh, I I, I agree, and it. it it is that sort of thought that this need for space and feelings and and coming of age to be a man um and that's not like the only transitional spot in people's lives there's a lot but uh 
to just presume that none of that means anything and who needs all of that, that was pretty, I think, uh, judgmental. You know, yeah. is oh, this is all just baloney because they didn't say Hail Mary or the Trinity or the whatever. You know, uh, and and it is a shame, but it's a fantastic thing that we're starting to rediscover it because there's no. Uh, I don't believe that even uh, you know some of the few residual rituals that sort of surround growing up I, I begin to touch the. Uh, places that you know some of the native rituals touch that, because they, they have to that's that how they were designed you know you're not if you don't show up naked so to speak you, you're not going to get through the other end <laughs> you have to start over exactly um i i totally yeah i mean that, that's that's why we're kind of going and mankind project go back to that is to understand the traditions of the indigenous people and, and their connection to what was going on because sort of identified that, well, this whole structure of just like working eight to five and slaving away and, um, you know, building more stuff and acquiring more things hasn't really made people happier. It's created a lot of sickness and, and sadness and, um, you know, what's that definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. Well, if you know people want to get be happier and have more fulfilling lives, you can't just keep going on the same path of just building more stuff, making more things, working more, working harder. There has to be some sort of change in in how things are done and how things are looked at. And I think that kind of going back, like we're, we're rediscovering all the things that were just, you know tried to be destroyed, uh, which is kind of ironic uh, in a way, um, but good also that we're society's going back and, and tapping into that again because that's something that that should never be lost and i hope that it never is and i don't think that it will be i think it's too powerful i absolutely agree and um uh you know i think it was in part i you know my broadcast partner over there always makes a good point that it was in part the only way we could get asleep enough to have this awakening experience was well, to do yeah. that to ourselves. <laughs> so, I mean, we, you know, it's it, really, it, listen, it's, it's about the experience. So how did we end up here? Well, we ended up here by having the experience. So if we're going to experience this awakening, then we you, go, you can't wake up if you don't first go to sleep. It's very simple. You can't get out of bed if you don't lie down and get into bed in the first place. And yeah. curious, George wants to know about everything. So Everything. Um, everything. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, one of the things, when we're talking about awakening, one of the things that I'll just kind of talk about mankind a little bit more because that's where I've done most of my, my growth and healing and kind of catapult me a lot of things, um, is the uh, one, I think something that, that Mankind Project does extremely well uh, is conflict resolution between two people, uh, two men in this case. like, And the way that it's done is just like, uh, it's like the most powerful, deep, intense shit. And I think it's something that isn't really a, a, addressed in a lot of well, – well, so I, I think like in a lot of times in like this more like heady sort of whatever um, new age type stuff, like it's like, oh, well, everything's okay and I'm love and you're love when there's like deep-seated issues between two people. And there, like Mankind Project actually provides a space where 
two men can step into a circle and and have conflict resolution with other men uh, they're present and it's whenever I when and, and so it's called like a, a clearing or a charge so say say Rick like I you know something about you your behavior or even it could just be like the way that you said something triggered something deep in me like from some past trauma I have the opportunity to ask you to help me look at that and I can look at it from a data perspective saying well what caused this and then ultimately I have the, the chance to see what I'm projecting onto you what's keeping me from you like and own that projection and take it back and then honor and and it's just so powerful to be able to to do that in a safe way like especially with men generally it's like you know, if you look at conflict with men if, uh, throughout time it usually ends up with violence like that's what happens like with with men if you just it's look a, at his story it's an escalating an escalating crossing of swords until there's bloodletting yeah nikki has experienced this between there's three of us in the network and two of us are guys and sometimes we're we're not okay when we're unsupervised because if there's a problem we particularly before we got to know each other better there was conflict like was the old first, talk fight. yeah conflict was the first place we went when you said listen this is not going to cut it the other one went rawr and then rawr and then that that's all there is left is the escalation of the growling until there's going to be a little blood left <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, nature provides plentiful exam oh, examples. You know, the two lions start growling at each other. If one of them doesn't walk off quick, there's going to be a mess. Fur's going to fly, and and having the tools to be able to genuinely and honestly communicate and go, wait a minute, I'm having, I'm tempted to think that you're something wrong with you, but I'm in community with you. I know there's not something wrong with you, so I got something going on. Could you help me look at that? Yeah, and then have it facilitated by like men who've done the work and are there in the container and have like a process for it is just like really powerful. Like it's like and, and say like if I were to go into a circle with you, it'd be you know one of the first things we say is this isn't about you, this is about me, and I have to ask you to do that, and you could say no. So it's it's just really powerful. And, and if if I want to honor a man, like I want to be close to other men, I want to be close to my brothers and be close to people. I want to help a man do his work. And it's like, it's crazy. Like this, the shit that triggers people is like, I could have a haircut that reminds a man of uh, a guy that, you know, um, stole his last girlfriend or something like that. And he's triggered the shit. His shit's coming up and he's in traumatic memory. And he's, you know, he's really feeling that. And it's like, I, my job is to help if I choose to, I can help him honor that and help him look at that and help him see his pain. And it's so really, really, really transformative. And I think I like about it is there's nothing that's too small to look at. Like, and I think in society, be like, oh man, you're just whatever. I'm like, no man, this man has a wound and like I'm bringing this up and it's not about me, but I can help him do his work. I can be the mirror and help him see that pain and help him express that vulnerability. And it's really, really powerful. And I wish that society had um, more ways for conflict resolution. And, and I think that there's a, probably a way to do that with men and women and, and just a, a new way of just honest, honest conflict resolution. Well, we, we've done a couple of pieces on our show, actually. From the uh, first piece we did that came to our attention was about a school, and then the next piece was about a prison. Uh, 
like mm-hmm. No Man's Land Prison in California, where they're reintroducing the native talking circle. Talking stick. They even have a talking stick. If you don't have it, you can't talk. And if somebody has it, you have to listen with the intent of understanding. And, um, and of course, they're calling it alternative conflict resolution. I call it conflict resolution and all that other crap they tried in between was the alternative. And, but but uh, that's silly me. It, it is one of the big it, mysteries to and me. It of, doesn't matter what they call it. The fact is they're doing it. They're doing it. That yeah. They've tapped into the fact that this works and they're starting to integrate it into some of the places where we need it the most. So it is, like you said, good on it, them. Yay. It, it can be the craziest <laughs> stuff. And sometimes you don't know until somebody can kind of help you look at it. You don't really know what it was that just triggered you. You just know you're triggered and you want to hurt something. Yeah. And um, and it just is really, you know, I had a weird experience with a, when I was a kid with the Space Needle at the Hemisphere, 1965 or something. And, and Space Needles bother me have always bothered me ever since then. I don't want to go up there. I don't want to be part of that. Just I don't want nothing to do with that. And how ridiculous is that? So you were saying, you know, the things that trigger somebody so crazy. What? No, it just is what triggers you. Yeah. And and so you thank the trigger and, and, and you do that Elohim thing. This trigger is mine. And you go ahead and you pull it up close and you look at it and see what's going on. And And to have a supportive space to do that, and I believe that in indigenous societies they did. You know, if one brave warrior, whatever you want to call him, one guy had some something, he had a friend or really could tap anybody from the tribe that was the, the one they were with and go, I got a thing. And they would go and light a fire and sit down and, okay, what's your problem? And handle it. That's why you didn't have big society wars and things. It, yeah. It's always just a personal conflict somewhere that started most everything. Yeah, exactly. And it's the way that we do a conflict. Like I, you know, I get uh, triggered at like my job, like a lot and just by certain people, just like, I just get pissed off. I'm just like, man, if I just had a way to clear with this person and just get like honest and we could just both be honest, I could solve, like I could clear this out. And like, I just, I wish that more type of conflict resolution uh, which is like uh, introduced into different parts of society because it's so important because uh, it's difficult to walk around feeling triggered all the time, you know, like, man, not, so I and, think it's important. <laughs> and then it sounds like you had a similar experience to me, you know, the spirituality wagon comes along, whether it's law of attraction, whatever it is, you start figuring there's got to be more to this whole thing. So you start looking at some of this guidance. And then it's just another thing that you didn't measure up to because you've got, no, you got no place to go. You've got nobody to talk to. You can't. It, yeah. Alanis Morissette said it on a video I saw the other day. She was at, what was it, Wisdom 2.0, Nikki? I think and, it was Wisdom 2.0. And, but anyway, she said that she thinks, she now thinks that, uh, believes that the evolution of human consciousness happens only through conscious communication and dialogue. That that's like the only time it happens in her life. She even went so far as to say that for her, writing and performing music is extremely cathartic. And, and then she kind of looked at the audience and said, and totally awesome, I'm not going to lie to you. And, and then looked back to the guy she was talking to and said, but it was never healing for me. It was never healing until I could have a conversation with somebody about the stuff that was in the songs, and that took years after I wrote them. 
Wow. Yeah, that's that's so true. I mean, it. Uh, I I don't know what it will take for people to get to that point. I, I think uh, I think it happens really small. Um, it happens like through conversations like this, like we're having, and then just one person at a time, um, and, and sort of like reintroducing that. Uh, but I, I think it is like super important like a communication. it's so like we all just we're all human we all speak we all express emotion i think the key to to getting connected it really is uh through through communication and and having like what something else i I do that i really love about mankind project is there's like a uh like an elder system like where like men who are above a certain age are are, uh, revered as elders and like as wise and um and there's like a not like a hierarchy, like we're all equals, but people are given respect based like on experience. Um, and I've, I've noticed a lot in the world where it's like this competitive, like I'm going to jump ahead of this person to get here, especially like in the corporate world where it's just like um, doggy dog, you know, and I really like having that structure of like father figures and people to learn from and it makes me feel safe. And I think um, that's something too that indigenous cultures did very well was look at aging as as something beautiful and something that um should be honored and respected as like wisdom um yeah most generally it is and and uh they knew when somebody was wacko and and everybody yeah that guy's just wacko don't worry about him uh but you know wisdom when you hear it and it often comes through experience you know banging your head against the wall for a little while Seems to be a good way to teach humans things, bang their head against the wall. <laughs> it works for me anyway. No, I've done that, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, and so, you know, not to be taken to extreme, like anything on this planet, everything's been taken to extreme in some one corner or another. It's not that ancestors are to be worshipped and stuff, but, but your elders can tell you. And, and really, when they're, I find when good elders are dispensing wisdom, one of the first things they go is, oh, you think that's crazy. I was terrified of so-and-so. And yeah. then they talk with you about it as opposed to, you know, it's just not the case that, you know, well, you're, you're a man now. You can't be feeling such frivolous things. Be gone. You know, straighten up and fly right or die. This is Sparta. You know, it's not like that. <laughs> it's really not. Yeah. Hey, Nikki, I have a question for you. Um, sure. Like, do you find, uh, like, I, do do women sort of um, have like that that trouble that same sort of trouble communicating those deep fears to each other? Like kind of how I describe with men. Oh yeah, we'd be bitches, man. Here's here's the thing that um, that y'all think, um, which is really funny. <laughs> That's my partner. Don't but ask men, her if you don't want to men know. Men have this <laughs> men have this twisted misconception that we put makeup on, and and first I have to clarify, I do not wear makeup makeup and I don't do all that ridiculousness anymore and if I did it's because I would feel like it not because I can't go out without my face um but yeah you know it we do the dressing up looking hot keeping our bodies tight we do all that not to impress you guys it has nothing to do with you it has everything to do without doing the bitches yeah seriously that's how women have been taught to be through media and through 
through advertising and and certainly you learn it in school it's very much like you talk about your locker rooms it's all about outdoing the other girls um but here's the thing that's a girl attitude and there are women out there still today who are in their 50s 60s 70s who still act like that but the truth of the matter is is that real women will find strength in uplifting other women. Yeah. And that's where you see the difference in the behaviors. Um, you know, and, and it, it redefines you as you grow older. I think it, your priorities shift, your little light in your brain goes on and you have an aha moment. Um, some of your friends go away And that's okay, because sometimes they come back, I've discovered, they'll go away for a few years, and then they'll come back, and they're all grown up. And how's that happen? Um, It's inevitable that, that for the most part, women will, near near middle age, come to this this realization that we need other women. And we really do. And, And we know that on a very deep soul level. We have an understanding that we need other women in our lives to uplift us and to support us and to so that they can understand us. But there is still that little childlike mentality in the back of our head that if I tell her the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God, is she still going to love me? Yeah. And so yes, we do think like that. It is it is it can be a very scary scenario. Now I've been blessed to know some really amazing women in my day, but I've also encountered some of those bitches that I was talking about. You know, and I mean their main goal in life is to outdo every other female they come into contact with. And that is nothing more than at the end of the day an insecurity issue. To be quite honest, the only reason you ever want to take somebody else's power away from them is because you feel for whatever reason that you don't have any power yourself. That's really what what it boils down to. Um, But, you know, yeah, there's there's that fear in there, of course, because we're human. It's not a man versus woman. Do we think differently than you think? It's a... We think the same because we're human beings and we, we need to be appreciated. We need to be loved. We need to feel safe. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I just wanted to get that perspective too since I felt like we had talked about men the whole time. Um, oh, yeah. Well, and well it's, 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 it's really scary. And it's e- even more scary to trust you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because so that's for, for a woman, a big leap. you know, talk to another to talk to another woman. But here's something that's interesting. Um, I found is that a lot of women have a really hard time being vulnerable with their mates because they don't want him to view her as weak. Yeah. Now that's, that's a, interesting. That's a big part right? of relationships. Like I'm like even even being like even my last relationship, like I've really tried to practice like um being open and authentic and I I did more than I ever had. Um but still there was that like, oh man, like uh if I make this mistake, is she not gonna love me anymore? Yeah. Or is she gonna view me differently? And I know it goes both ways and it's so amazing. It, like it, that that I don't know. It really is this inner child thing of, you know, well, if I told you, would you still be my friend? 
you know, it, I, I, I can see this, this exactly. little bitty me going to people, you know. But if I told you, would you tell me, my friend? And because it's, it is, it's that vulnerable and weak of a position, it seems. But the, the ability to be that way and whether whatever, whatever anybody's got to say, because I find that people in general are supportive. For one, you just don't get moved to talk to people that aren't going to be. You can tell it's a vibrational thing. But that society is starting to figure out that, you know, there's something to this. I mean, it, schools, prisons, hey, this works. We don't know why it works. Well, come on. I'll show you the test results from half the pharmaceuticals. They'll tell you where the mechanism of action is unclear. That's what it says under how does it work. But they know that if they give it to people, blah, blah, blah happens. Well, okay, well, if that's good enough for them, let's, it can be good enough for communication because it, 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 uh, it's the, one of the great mysteries of modern political world to me is the first thing you do when you have a disagreement with somebody is stop talking to them. Well, I don't need to talk to my allies. They're on my side. I know what they think. We've talked before, you know. I need to talk to you and figure out what we're going to do because it's a small little blue marble, really. Yeah. I think it comes down – well, I'm learning a lot, and I think my work – well, I know like my, my big work in this life is to create a space for other people to feel safe talking to me. Um and I, I have to work at that. Like even as as good of a listener as I, I think I can be, and I think that's like probably one of my my talents. But even then, I, you know, like I, I have conversations with my my mom sometimes, and that's like the most tr- triggering shit. Um, and like I'll just <laughs> I'll, I'll jump the judgment and I'll, because there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of uh, you know history between us and all this. A lot of like, water under the bridge. <clears throat> it's like whoa, and um, I have to. I can go right back into this like, like non-listening, judgmental. I want to say my stuff state, and it's like wow, I still have a lot of work to do in that area, and then I could see where it comes up in other areas. So for me, it's like, oh, can I hold that space in that moment and? Um, and, and really what I find that, that helps with that, too, is just being okay with myself and be like, you know what, I may not be able to hold space, but I'm going to try. And if I can't, you know, I'm going to work on that, too. Um, and those deep, deep relationships are the ones that provide the most opportunity. And that's why, uh, it's, you know, I'm down with relationships. I think they're really important. Oh, well, it's... I think if they weren't really important, there'd only be one of us here. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> but it is, it's important to have that energetic modeling of, you know, when, when, if you have a whole bunch of boys that have been taught that it's not okay to feel and it's not okay to communicate, grow up and get elected to office, you get the kind of governments we have today. It's just what happens when you have socially dysfunctional people that don't communicate. They don't communicate unless you give them money or do something. And it's the way we taught them to be. So, you know, I can't get too angry, but, but I can say, look, dude, would you take a look around? Could you oh, yeah, hold up? Let's talk. And, uh, but it takes a little time. Uh, but I see the shift happening. We see evidence of it just all over the place. It's leaking out all over the place, wouldn't you say, Nick? Oh, yeah. Talking circles and yeah. meditation programs and... And, uh, yeah, I've seen it. I'm seeing it right across the board globally. I mean, that's the perks of doing what we do, right? We're on the lookout for it constantly. So 
if we're focusing our awareness on that change and we're making that our our passion and our everything that we do, then we're simply going to see more of that change. Yeah. We can't help but. That's that's the greatest part about our job is that we get to talk about the awesome until we get more awesome. Yeah, and there is a lot of awesome. Think about, like, I mean, just, like, for evidence of, like, the, the awakening on the planet, if you think about, like, how much the world changed from, like, 1700 to say 1950 you know it like in terms of like what was accepted <laughs> social attitudes like it was very you know right. stuff if you look at it from like 1950 to like 2014 it's a completely different planet i mean you had people in 1950 yeah. who were like still like beating their kids on farms and like you know suffering you know, just like this totally different like open-mindedness right slavery and 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 all that stuff and and yet now we live in a a completely diverse culture where where racism is not acceptable yeah so i i I hear exactly what you're what you're saying it's speeding up exponentially which is fun because it's fun to watch i mean who would have thought that we'd have a jesuit pope who says that muslims and christians pray to the same god and it's a okay if a man is gay if he looks to god for his answers and tries to be a better man who am i to judge did you ever think you'd hear a pope saying that i certainly didn't yet it happened this year so you know and this is this is why we do what we do so that we can highlight these amazing changes that are occurring on the planet and why we talk to people like you so that we can show people how many awesome human beings there are out there because the the thing is is that as much as you need to know you're not alone when you're in the depths of despair, you also need to know that you're not alone in your joy. You need yeah. to know that you're not alone on the leading edge of change. You need to know that you're not hanging out there all by yourself, waiting for the rest of the planet to catch up. They've caught up. They're all playing the same game. I mean, it's just... Not it's every just, last one. There's always going to be that cranky no, guy but in the corner. It's well, always just but it's cranky. all about how you focus your attention, what yeah. you're focusing your attention on, and what you're allowing into your into your visual field. Yeah, exactly. And like, I really like what you guys do because you focus on like the the love aspects of things instead of um, like everything that's wrong. I, I've seen a big sort of. Uh, I don't know, like if just like looking on Facebook, I'll see like two types of like awakening sites or whatever. Like one is like everything like that's wrong, like in the world and like every conspiracy that anyone could ever think of. And it's like a manifestation of fear. And then there's other people who are just talking about like love and um, and focusing on that. And I'm like, man, that's just like love and fear and focusing on the on the fear aspect will bring more fear. And then it's it just, it's like this self perpetuating, like every, I, it, you can take a really small piece of information about one thing. And then all of a sudden people are scared of every single thing outside of themselves. And it, and it's oh, well, like such a trap, can, such a trap really. You can have, it strange... is, but it still has to, it still has to exist. Those two extremes, because we, we well, live so in we'll a free will zone. So people need to have, people need to have a choice. But yeah, you can get a hangnail and no. go on Google and within 15 minutes convince yourself that you're a terminal case with less than three months to live. It's, yeah. it's easy now, you know, because it's just all right there. Yeah. And um, it, 
but that makes I think the choice plainer for everybody. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mentioned Elohim earlier. They have that saying: "How ridiculous does it have to get?" And there's a bunch of dots, and then it's apparently pretty ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, because once you once you sort of have put the blinders on about some stuff, I say that even about cleaning the house. You know, once you've left a pile of junk somewhere and looked at it for three or four or five days, it's disappeared sort of out of your peripheral vision like a bad smell. So you just don't really see it. And then somebody comes to visit, they see it, so you see it again, and you go, holy crap, what's that? Uh, (laughs) You know, and uh, so once you start cramming stuff away, it just, you know, it sours its, you know, energy. It can't be set and still, you know. Solar energy stored in a plant so that we can eat it and use it for fuel don't, yeah, it's okay in the fridge for a few days, but, you know, don't just leave it in there. Not a, won't turn into something good. Anyway, we're vast approaching our time here, our 90 minutes, but we could go on because this is a subject we're quite passionate about. Awesome healing that uh, the Mankind Project is doing, I can tell, just from chatting with you. Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. Uh, I encourage anyone to check it out, like, um, there's a lot of stuff that are that's open for anybody to check out, and it's it's really cool stuff. And if people want to know more about Manny Hagman, where do they go? Um, well, my Facebook page is um, Manny Hagman Awakening One Step at a Time. Um, you can go there if you just do a search for it, uh, and then my my writing, or you can just friend me on Facebook at Manny Hagman. I think I'm the only Manny Hagman around. So um, that, I do that's a lot, handy. A lot of there, there can be a lot of you know, Sarah Prout and stuff we've had before. And it's like, you try to find them on Skype and it says 578 results. You're just, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you try to narrow that. Yeah, yeah. So anybody who wants to check it out, I do, I write um, a lot of stuff on there and I share my feelings and um, just try to try to share my vulnerability. Uh, and that's, that's where you can learn more about me. Well, that's awesome. And we'll have links on the, uh, on the archive that'll be up on... Uh, uh, our website shortly after uh, the broadcast here at everydayconnection.me. So uh, be sure and check that out because we've got lots of other cool conversations and lots of cool conversations coming up. But I just want to thank you for carving some time out of your schedule to come and share your time, talent, and treasure with us. It was awesome. Hey, I, I thank, you so, thank you so much for having me. It's been, a, it's been a pleasure and an honor to be on the show. Awesome. Yay, we had Yay. fun. We had fun. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. And uh, so uh, there you have it, playing in the virtual sandbox. And uh, we do this a couple of nights a week, three nights a week on the flow, one from Greatest Hits. And we occasionally sneak a new episode in on Monday because we occasionally sneak people in because we just have to get them on the schedule. So we can't hold the awesomeness back very long. (laughs) It gets out. Yeah. Um, And uh, so... Thanks again, and uh, guys, join us. Uh, I'm sure if tomorrow's a weekday morning that we will be on the air tomorrow morning, uh, 10 to 11 weekdays on the Flow Cooperative. Uh, check out the morning show with uh, all good news all the time, really, because we've tried the other. It wasn't any fun. So come try the good news with us. It's a lot of fun. But until then. To our mother, to each other, and especially to yourselves, stay connected. Have a great now, everybody.
Join Jane and Rick again next time. Until then, visit their website at everydayconnection.me and subscribe for news and updates. Stop by their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection and join the conversation. You can also subscribe on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection. to ask the biggest question of your life the only question before that question how do you find the perfect ring to ask it with with the incredible selection of diamonds at jared and our price match guarantee you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love visit your local jared store today and dare to be devoted we promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer see jared.com slash price match for details So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.